Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Act Black Box Podcast, and we are so excited to have in studio today two-time Tony Award nominee, American Idol finalist, and Broadway producer, Constantine Maroulis is in the house. Constantine, how you doing? What an intro, man. Thank you for hey, having me. Absolutely. This place is amazing. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Bravo. You guys did a great job. I mean, wow. And what a wonderful area, this whole arts district. You know, you're in the shadows of the beautiful Maryland Theater. You have this beautiful deco, you know, gigantic art space here. This is very cool. Um, digging it, man. Thank you Good so stuff. much. Yeah, we are, we're excited. And thank you so much for being here. Of course, we have been pimping this class for the last <laughs> few months. Constantine Maroulis, August 21st. Live at Authentic Community Theater at our offices at 1000 Florida Avenue teaching a master class. We are so excited to have you here. It's going to be a killer class. Um, tickets are, we're still selling tickets as of today, yes, so are. I'm really excited. Um, so we just wanted to bring Constantine down here, kind of talk to him a little bit. We just yeah. went to a great dinner, um, and uh, it was funny. We had people Googling. Uh, they, they were. Said, they, were. they were looking and staring. You saw the whispers, <laughs> and, and Brittany, my wife, nudged me. She goes, I think they know who he is. Mm -hmm. And you can hear him say, is that him? Is that him? <laughs> and they get their phones out and start Googling. And I was like, oh, man, here we go. But luckily, they were nice and didn't bother you. Oh, me. yeah. So. It's all good. You know, I... I uh I learned long ago, when you start seeing that happen, you don't sort of, you just kind of play it down, and uh, and it's all good. Hey, you know, all these years later, ideally, or, you know, most likely, they know me from American Idol, and uh, thank God they still recognize me. My wig is holding up, <laughs> so I think, you know, who knows, that helps, and, um, you know, it's been great, man. I've gotten to do so many things I've, I've loved and I feel passionate about over the years, since my time on American Idol, you know, it was always my dream to be on Broadway and whatnot. And, you know, to now all these years later, you know, be a real player and on both sides of the table. Um, it's a dream come true for sure. So I really do love being able to be in this situation to be able to give back to, um, you know, younger professionals um, and hopefuls and just, you know, theater, just arts, you know, professionals uh, in general. Um, you know, I have, a, I have quite a story uh, that led me to here, and I think, you know, what I can offer the, uh, the students um, is something a little different, because I do come from a conservatory background, but because I had the American Idol experience, because I've played in rock bands and I've done a little of everything, um, maybe I can help put them in a, in a, a different frame of mind than they've heard before, uh, as far as like the professional path, or even just learning to just get better today, you know, 1% mm -hmm. better every day. That's what we try to strive for. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to dig in. Awesome. And I mean, speaking of, of, of your background, I mean, everybody knows you from America. Now, I know Tim has been has been uh, really excited for the opportunity to just kind of ask you a couple questions. Oh, let's do it. We're not going to take a whole lot of your time. Let's but, jump in. So let's, let's see what you got, Tim. First thing I'd love to know, what, what came first, the love of musical theater or the love of rock and roll or did they kind of just happen at the same time yeah you know i think i i'm the youngest of three my brother and sister are much older than me and i just like worshiped to them i worshiped all the music that they dug and they were really sort of out of the house when i was growing up so i in a way grew up like an only child but they left me like all their records and stuff mm, so wow. everything from you know David Bowie and Led Zeppelin and The Doors to The Cure and U2 and 
uh, Echo and the Bunnymen, and then I, you know, of course, grew up on MTV. Uh, definitely, I think I was wailing Bon Jovi songs <laughs> um, in my room, you know, and in an effort to probably sing more, you know, I started playing in some bands and uh, then auditioning for school plays. And so it, the, the synergy started to happen early on, but I think probably, you know, rock and roll did probably come first. But I have such an early recollection of my brother being in West Side Story when mm. I was like five years old and he was like 17 and a uh, senior in high school and it just felt so real to me you know and I was like that I want to do that and we watched the movie as kids um, as a family and you know really one of the only sort of family memories I have of the five of us all being together you know mm -hmm. because again like they were they were much older so they were out of the house so I just you know always held on to that and kind of built up from there but then I was into you know Grateful Dead and Fish and always wanted to just play in bands and then the girls started to like it the boys started to like it everyone started to like it and you build up a little confidence when you're standing in front of a band with that microphone in your hand and that sort of ends up leading you to the stage and you know then it was early on it was like whatever it is I'll do it you know if it's a if it's a community theater show a high school play if it's a rock band, if it's, you know, a song I need to write, um, I'm down for it. Right. Yeah, so I mean, whenever you auditioned for American Idol, you were really one of the first people to go in that show wanting to show off that rock genre. Like, what, what inspired you to want to go and audition for a show like that? You know, I had graduated the Boston Conservatory, mm -hmm. Berklee College of Music, um, just a couple of years before, really. And I was in Rent. I was mm -hmm. touring in Rent, and I had a band. Pray for the Soul of Betty, and uh, I was always a hustler, so I was out on rent tour, and my playing Roger, and my band would come and meet me, like, in Philly, and Pittsburgh, and Cleveland, and, you know, Chicago, and we would play shows after uh, rent, you know? So, and, wait, you would do a two-hour rock oh opera, yeah. and then you would go and play a rock and roll show with yeah. your band? Yeah. That's fucking ridiculous. And that's what I, I that's always, that was just me, like, and everyone's like, Connie's insane, he's like a beast. And that's just how I always, uh, always was. You know, I never miss shows, eight shows a week doing rent. And we were flying all around. We were going to Tokyo. It was an incredible time. And then came that first sort of bit of, uh, you know, just sort of like, I don't know, that crossroads where it's like, great job. We love you. We're not bringing you back next year. Mm. And I was just like, what? You know, it was basically a free advertisement for my band. Right. So I had to go back home and I had basically spent all my money because I was partying. I'm in my 20s. I'm on rent tour. I'm having a good time. Yeah. And um, I needed a job. And uh, the idol thing just presented itself. Uh, an old girlfriend's like, let's go audition for this TV show, which I hadn't really seen. You heard of it because it was huge. But they had only had three seasons, one, two, and three. And... I was just like, sure, I need a gig. Let's go. And then uh, there you go. And I just kind of went into it with that actor mentality, like I need a job. And, and I don't up. know. They just kind of, yeah. So I had, I was like, 
you know, they just, as soon as I was there, they had like the camera on me, like, who yeah. the F is this guy? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, yeah, my band doesn't know I'm here. <laughs> and, uh, Did you play it up a little bit? Played it up. Oh, I was an actor, you know. I was, I, like, yeah, I was like, I don't know. I was just in Rent. I don't know. You might have heard of that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just kind of, I kind of got like fired, but I'm here. And, you know, and they were like, holy shit, this is great. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so I just played into it and they played into me. And then. Now, know. the million dollar question, though, did your girlfriend at the time make it to Hollywood? No. Is no. that why you broke up? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we were sort of just like uh, close friends. Gotcha. Understood. Friends with benefits. Right. Understood. And, uh, but, uh, yeah. Shit just got really, really crazy for me thereafter, you know? Sure. But again, like anything, you have to take the opportunity. I mean, obviously, being on the TV show in front of a zillion people, 30 million people a night were watching it back then, and it would be on for three nights a week from, like, January to practically June. Mm. I mean, nuts. Mm. Nuts. Um, But nothing's ever handed to you. You have to take the opportunity and... And turn it into something. You know, you have to... The the real work starts thereafter. And I had met the producers of Rock of Ages. And um, and we built one of the, the biggest Broadway shows of all time together. You know. And and trust me, I've been applying to do Rock of Ages yeah, since I have. took over this theater company. Mm-hmm. And I always get denied because we're not a professional company mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. And there's too much professional interest. So... There is. It's, uh, it's, the, it's, the rights, it's all over the place. The rights are everywhere yeah. right now. So, we're... we're, we're excited about that and I mean, we're, uh, we're not going to stop we're yeah, going to no. keep we're going to well, apply every year yeah. and eventually they'll say yes same I did it with Sound and Music and it was always getting denied because they were on tour in, in, right. in Europe um, and I just kept applying and one year they were like yep you can have them and we were, I was like great and then of course COVID happened unfortunately. Right. but I just have one more question for you sure, and we're going to let you go uh, you, you said something very very uh, specific where it's you know you were talking about you weren't brought back for, for the tour for Rent um, what advice can you give young performers or even professionals um, when it comes to accepting rejection yeah. as an as an actor as a musician? Um, what's what's the best piece of advice you can give people who kind of get themselves beat up on that? Yeah, just try to learn from the experience and don't let it beat you down. It, it can be really intense that 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 rejection and it's funny uh, for the next nearly twenty years. I never was shook by rejection. Something in those five, six months before the shutdown, you know, that now two summers ago, I was screen testing for everything. I was nearly going to, you know, start this new show and this and that and all of these huge projects. And the agents were super happy. And I had climbed out of a bit of a you know, personal um, hole in all of this. Um, you know, I had some drama with my family and all of this stuff, and it's not easy being, a, you know, a single dad and all of that comes with that, being a touring musician and everything. So, you know, I started feeling, like, depressed for the first time about my career. Like, I used to be able to just shake off rejection, no problem. So even at my stage and my level, let's say, it can really eat you up. And... Um, for me, I, I needed to make a change in my life. So I quit drinking, I quit doing drugs and no cannabis or anything. And, you know, it's now like two years later. And, you know, that was helpful to me to have some clarity and focus about like my work. And sometimes you just need to like reel it back down to zero again. It's okay to have to go back 
home, or it's okay to have to go back to the restaurant to work or to hustle. But I think if you can set yourself up to not to not fail by um, doing gigs, but also being someone that's diverse enough to be able to, you know, jump into a great theater like this and, and take on a job helping out in front of house or behind the bar or on the stage crew or doing publicity or, you know, maybe doing some directing or, you know, whatnot, design work, crew, you know, there's such a world of, of theater out there that it's not just about starring, you know, in shows. So if you can be someone that's like diverse enough where you can make yourself valuable and you could do a lot of things, that's always great. And uh, then, you know, if you can, take that time to write your own show, write your own mm. songs, mm-hmm. you know, um, take your other friends that <laughs> got that are out of work and put a group together and, uh, you know, start your own content. You know, we're living in a world of content right now. It's that's what content is king. So, you know, it's very saturated, it's very competitive, but you know, be your own producer, director, you know, agent, manager, you know, um, and, and, you know, make it happen for yourself for sure. But like I said, it's okay to go home. You know, it's okay to slow things down and try something else for a little while until the next right opportunity comes along. I love it. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Constantine (laughs) Maroulis. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. and giving yeah. us the time. You're welcome. We're excited for the class tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Guys, make sure you check around social media. Foreigner's Journey. Yeah. Like it's on sale. You guys got a bunch of shows coming up. I can't right. wait until I'm close enough I can come see yep. it without yep. uh, pissing my bosses off. <laughs> but her, uh, uh, make sure you check them out social media, Instagram, Facebook, yeah. uh, Twitter, uh, and, and check out his website, ConstantineRulis.com, for everything Constantine yeah. Rulis. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, Constantine. Thank you again. We'll look forward to tomorrow. Oh, yeah. We want to take a second and thank the one and only Constantine Maroulis for coming out and doing this interview. But along with Constantine came an act favorite. Billy Blair, accompanist of Extraordinaire, came in and also did a little interview and had some fun with us. So sit back and chill and enjoy this exclusive interview with the one and only Miss Bambles, Billy Blair. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Act Black Box exclusive with the one and only Billy Blair is in the house. Billy, welcome back to Hagerstown. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for doing this. This wasn't on your agenda, um, but uh, Billy was actually the accompanist when we had Brian McCartan and Ellie McLemore here and Tice Green to do a concert. And he was so incredible on the keys. Mm-hmm. We said we had to bring him back for every masterclass we do now. Like it's 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 a no question. And I told him earlier, I was like, our board actually voted on it. It is official yes. in our minutes. In our policies, you are forever the masterclass accompanist as long as you're available. And the reason is because I mean, we have three. We have these three, you know, major performers come in, and then we have Constantine, another major performer, come in, and every single time at the end of the Ryan, Ellie, and Tice class, I had so many people come up to me and be like, "But Billy, Billy, listen, you know." And I felt that bartender from. And I felt the same way because you just you have you radiate this energy and this kindness and this professionalism and you just have so much fun while also doing something extremely well, which is like this perfect combination. 
Well, thank you both for that very lovely introduction. I am beyond thrilled to be back in Hagerstown. Um, I, I, after my first visit, had hoped I would be back, but I didn't know it would be so soon. And so I'm glad to... Like three months? Like, yeah. Like two. It, when did we bring... July. Mm -hmm. June 5th. 5th. Weekend. Because it was also my birthday. That's right. Yes, it was. Yes. We got you a nice little cake and yes, stuff. Yes, you did. <laughs> and I didn't realize that whole, the whole goopy gaggery of, of <laughs> taking the picture. Like, I, didn't, I left town and then figured out. So, for those of you just tuning in, it was my birthday. I was here and May over here uh, was like, Oh, Billy, can you go get a picture with me and Ellie and Ryan and Tice? And I was like, probably like two tequila sodas in. So I was like, sure! <laughs> and then before I knew it, I was escorted back into the, the room and there was a, a cake there. It was, it was fantastic. A fantastic weekend. So of course I'm back. And we are so happy to have you, Billy, an extraordinary accompanist. Um, some of you may know him as Miss Bambles, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit. But first, I want to dig into who is Billy Blair? How did you get started on the piano? What have you done outside of our master classes? And because, uh, again, like Tim said, people love you. They're excited for Constantine, but I can't tell you how many people, when I, I posted a picture on Facebook that we took on your birthday, and I posted a picture that said, that you were coming back for the class. More people were excited about getting to sing with you as your accompanist than they were with Constantine almost. Yeah, and, right. and and I was like, I was like, that's great. I'm so excited. I was like, well, we got two Tom Tony nominee that says that's here. But uh, but so so tell us a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, where you've been, and, sure. and all those kind of things. So I have always been a very musical person, and I when I was six years old, I asked my parents to put me in piano classes because I would always, I don't know how this works or if, if this is something I fabricated in my head. It's not really reality, but I remember in my, the family van growing up, my mother being able to like turn down the vocals on the cassette. I don't know if that's a thing, but like some of the vocals would be out and I would always ask them to take the vocals out because I just wanted to hear the music. I just mm. wanted to hear how that was working. So that time me being like, can you put me in piano classes? They were like, I mean, there's there's evidence there, so let's 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 try it out. So I got put in like a piano class, and then like a year after that, they were like, let's put this kid in private lessons, and I um, took private lessons all the way through middle and high school. I did the whole band thing, the whole chorus thing, the whole musical thing, and in high school was when I was like, oh, wait a minute, musical theater. Oh wait, this is fabulous. This marries everything that I love all together in one. And so I kind of came into it a little bit late um, as far as just the musical theater world. Um, but then I went off to college and I actually was not accepted to any performance programs. I auditioned at a bunch and I was accepted to none. Because um, I, I was a hot mess and I never really had a singing lesson or an acting lesson or a dance class. So like I was really just kind of fabricating this and pulling this all together. And I think even just me walking into an audition room, I, I, I reeked of... Like a lot of experience. So even before I could even get a no now, it was certainly odds were stacked against me in a way, but I, I tend to be pretty um, sure of myself. And when it, when, when something feels right, I know it. And so I um, ended up going to SUNY Fredonia up in New York mm -hmm. and re-auditioning for the program and getting in and still being able to get out in four years. And that was such an excellent like four years of like really 
whipping my butt into shape. I was able to play the piano all the way through school and um, a company and make money that way. I played for a main stage there. I got to do so many different kinds of shows. I got to be in plays my senior year. I got to be in the Fredonia Dance Ensemble, which, oh. like, <laughs> what? That was crazy. So I did all of that. And then I moved to Florida for about 10 months, did the Disney College program. Um, spent some time down there with a few, uh, few friends. If you know, you know. Um, <laughs> Diet Coke surreptitiously. And then um, I knew that I wanted to get back to New York. And I've been in New York since October 2017. Um, by day, really by night, I am, I am a bartender in Astoria. And then I, other than that, am a, a, a multi-hyphenate theater artist who plays the piano and also am a budding drag queen. That's, that's Final it. answer. I love it. I, I love it. And, and Billy, I, I think one of the one of the coolest things about you, but whenever um, uh, we we both work with with Tice, which is how how we got hooked up, Tice Green, um, with with Broadway Plus, and uh, he's great, and we got hooked up. I remember when he, I, I told him it was about two two maybe three weeks max before um, before the Brian and Ellie class, uh -huh. and uh, the lady that was going to play piano was like, "I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I don't know." And I was like. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, no, like this this is a problem. And Friends and system. Yeah. yeah, so and, and she's a fine piano player, would have been fine, but she was just one of those really high strung people. So I told I called Tice and I was like, Tice, what do I do? And he was like, I have somebody that can come um and and do this for you. And I was like, Oh great, another check, I'm gonna have to sign, son of a bitch. <laughs> and then <laughs> so I begrudgingly was just like Ugh, fine, take more money, that's fine, whatever. And then you came, and, and first of all, I think you and I sat in the car for about an hour and yeah. 25 minutes before Ryan and Ellie's plane landed, yep. um, and, and we had a great conversation, and it was, it was we clicked right off right off the jump, Absolutely. which was nice because Ryan and Ellie already had their relationship as, as, as knowing each other, and um, you know, it, was, it was nice to know you for those, for those couple hours before they got in the car, um, but, and then you got behind the keys. Mm -hmm. And um, let's be real, people who are taking master classes are kind of assholes sometimes. They don't think about what they're asking the, the accompanist to play. Your and, word's not mine, but I may be shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> but and and it's absolutely true. And uh, um, have you ever had a situation where you were accompanying and somebody just asked you to do something that was just like you, you wanted to you wanted to choke them a little bit? Like are you? Are you kidding me right Robbie, now? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the song? Who gave it to you? Where do they live? What's their email? What's their social media? Yes. <laughs> so, this, this is probably would have been like a summer in between college, one of my college years. And I was accompanying for a theater company um, from upstate New York that is now no longer running. Um, but I'd worked with the woman who was the artistic director of that for years and we'd done a bunch of things together. And so she asked me to come play for some open calls. And so I had done that for her, but this time it was, um, in New York city and it was invite only. So people who like agents submitted them for this cause they were doing a, uh, one night or two night concert at the secret garden mm. on Bannerman Island, which is an Island in the Hudson river in Newburgh. So it's kind of like a destination thing. You'd have to get on a little boat. So it's going to be this whole big thing. So that's why I wanted to get some, some names in there. 
And I truthfully, I actually don't remember the guy's name, but he walked in. Now, again, this was, this was, um, they were invited and or submitted and they knew these people walking in to say, knew what they were singing for. And homeboy walks in with nary a sheet of music. Kind of walks over to me and he's like, do you, what, what do you, what do you got? And I was like, um, no, mind you, this, again, this is me a few years ago. Me today, who knows how this would have gone. Me a few years ago, like, um, I don't know. Um, and he goes, well, do you know Anthem from Chess? And I said, sure. I said, not off the top of my head, but if you had the music, I could play it for you. And at this point, he's so annoyed with me. He looks me dead in my eyes and goes, do you know anything? And I was like, I'm on to <laughs> but I didn't because mama raised me right but I did look but the, the woman who was the artistic director I shot her a look that said it all cut to so now so I give her the look and she goes and she very quickly at this point has realized what's about to happen and realizes that Billy may, may strike verbally or physically so she's like alright anyway um, we have a whole tour here you can sing from anything from the Sea Garden that settles him down so then he decides he goes to do a bit of Earth from the Secret Garden and the song starts with the actor, the person speaking. And then that's when the piano comes in. So I'm sitting there waiting. And finally, one last time he tries me, he looks at me and he goes, are you going to start playing? I said, you start the song. <laughs> and like suddenly everything that he had thrown my way, I threw right back at him and he was like... <gasps> and then of course he opened his mouth and... Um, Sounded like an actual god. Beautiful voice, beautiful voice. And he walked out and we cursed his name and didn't cast him because he was an asshole. Beautiful. Yay, that's what we love to hear. So even if you got a good voice, don't be nasty to your accompanist because you 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 don't know. They're, they may or may not be friends with everybody behind the table shooting right. on looks when you're being nasty. You know what? I have I have taught classes and I have told people that that you don't know from the time you pull into the parking lot or wherever you're going. You don't know who that person is. That person that is checking you in might be the producer on the show. That accompanist might not just be an accompanist. They might be the music director. That that person that is uh, giving you your name tag might be the director. You never know. So always remain right. professional. Right. Uh, remain, uh, uh, put yourself in the best light possible because I've had people who have come in and, and treated my staff like shit. And uh, they they'll come and be like, hey, so and so, they're wearing this number. Oh yeah, don't do it. Well, and they and uh, to to me, I don't care how good you are, how amazing you are, who you are. If if my staff has feels the need to come to tell me that you are treating people poorly, you're not going to be anywhere near. Um, we actually have a number that we don't give to people in auditions um, because it's safe for this one particular person. Um, it's, it's number nine because you couldn't remember her name, but her number was number nine, and she was an absolute nightmare. Yikes. I'm talking. She was standing up on counters twerking. She was. <laughs> she she walked in. She she walked into the audition. She was auditioning for Maureen. It was for Rent. I forget. I was directing. For what? She was auditioning for Maureen and Rent. Gotcha, gotcha. And so I heard Maria. she was, she, so she was, um, she was screaming at the top of her lungs. Um, 
in the middle of a a crowded room. And then so I brought all the Maurice in together and they all did, you know, um whatever the fuck that song's called. Over the Moon, uh, Over the Moon thank you. Yeah. Um and she did hers and she was awful. Um, so then I took the people who were awful and I said, thank you all for coming this summer, this summer, this summer, this summer, this summer. We're good. We don't need to see anything else. Everybody else, hang tight. We'll be with you in a little bit. And uh, her number was called to, to leave, um, because I had heard the stories, um, and she was terrible. And she looked me dead in the face and said, you better not fuck this up and walked out the door. She comes back. She walks back. Uh, she comes back for Greece audition. And I'm sitting out front. Um, you know, we have a bunch of people already there. I was smoking a cigarette. People were coming in. They were, you know, hi, how are you? You know, tell me, hey, welcome. Thanks for coming. So going to go inside. Then we just signed in. See her coming up. And I was like, oh, hey, how are you? And she looked at me, didn't say hello. How are you? Nice to see you. She said, I'm going to keep coming back until you realize how talented I am. And walked in the door. I was like, okay. And I literally walked over to the director and I said, this girl we wear number nine again no mm-hmm. is the answer so we literally skip it every audition and we're waiting for her to come back so she can be like okay here's number nine there's 47 people for me you're number nine sweetie that's yours but literally if, if i'll show you and is it still hung up on the board yeah it's still hung up on my corkboard uh, at my desk. I'll show you tomorrow. But because we literally wait, and we're like, "Here you go, you're not." Has she come back since free? She she came back for a Zoom audition for Footloose, um, and she actually. All right, should I get into the tea? Go for it. So she sent me. So she came back for Footloose, and I didn't recognize. She had cut her hair, colored her hair the whole night, right, Billy? And so I didn't recognize her. It was over Zoom. I really wasn't paying attention. And I didn't remember her name, and uh, I didn't recognize her name. So I asked her, just like I asked everybody, how did you hear about us? She's like, oh, I've actually auditioned for you a bunch of times. I was like, oh, what, what for? Um, and uh, she said, well, I came for Rent and Footloose uh, and Greece. And, and I was, a preacher really walked up beside me. Uh, I was sitting at my dinner table, at my dining room table. And she was like, turn the camera off, turn the camera off. So I turned it off and I muted it. And I was like, what? I'm in the middle. She was like, that's number nine. nine. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, she got by us. Um, but uh, she didn't get cast that either. But she sent me an email after we signed the cast list, and she got the thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Um, you know, but we're not going to use you for this one. She sends me an email, and she asks, she's like, why is it that I don't get cast with you? Um, you know, is there something I'm doing wrong? Which is fairly respectable. That's respectable. And so I, I was like, I want to respect so I sent her an email. I was like, look, I'm going to just be honest with you. Um, it has nothing to do with your talent. It has everything to do with your attitude. You did this, this, X, Y, Z. You were doing this. When you came back from Greece, this is how you greeted me, uh, which as the president of the organization, not a great idea. Um, you know, And we just don't think this is a good fit for you. Um, she sent me an email response. And uh, she was like, I, I, I'm so sorry. I do that to kind of cover up, um, you know, my, my crippling anxiety and, and all this other excuse after excuse after. And then she says, maybe if you would talk to insert other theater company um, in the area whom I know really well, if you talk to them, they'll tell you how great I am and how wonderful I am to work with. So I said, okay, you know what? I'm bored. So I called the then vice president of that of that organization, who's one of my best friends. And I called him up and I said, hey, um, can you tell me about this person? She said she's worked with you. What do you have to say? And he said, run. Don't do it. So I, uh, um, I emailed her back. 
And I said, you know, I took your advice and I went ahead and, and contacted uh, this person from this organization that you told me to contact. And they said that you were an absolute nightmare. So we're good. I'm not trying to be mean, but please just don't waste your time anymore because it's not going to happen. Give your time, save my time. Mm -hmm. That was a lot about us for a second. I'm sorry. But, but yeah, so all that to say, make sure you're being respectful, especially for the companies. Now, to, to be clear, Billy, you don't mind when, when somebody, let's say you're you're playing too fast. Yeah. Right? You're, you're, and, and you're playing. You don't mind somebody because, like, actually, can we look you know, in the middle of their audition or in the class or whatever? But, hey, do you, can we take it at, at this speed? And then you make the adjustments, right? There's nothing wrong There's with There's nothing that. wrong with it as long as you're courteous about it. Mm -hmm. And also, at least in my experience, um, if you are, if you are clear the first time, more often than not, I find people that have to like kind of stop and, and re, re um, reset the tempo or something. A lot of times, it's just nerves. Mm -hmm. um, because when you get in there, more often times than not, your accompanist is going to be good and is there to just follow you. Mm -hmm. And so, at least in, like I said, in my experience, I always tell the person to give me a tempo. But I'm like, you are driving the song. I'm here to accompany you. You, Tim Shane. Yes, because like, that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, take it and run with it. But in the event that, you know, Billy's a little uh, tired from the night before or something, and it's, it's not working out for you. Too many times. Come on, don't tell you, kids. It'll, it'll help. It'll help. <laughs> um, yeah, just, you, you just kind of give a physical, like, to the, to the, to the front and like, I'm so sorry. Can I just go back over here? And here's the other thing. I have had some really bad accompanists in auditions. I've had some amazing ones. I've had people play for me in New York where I've like gotten done and like completely ignore the people behind the table and be like, how did you, that was, oh my God, that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> how can I say everybody? Like I'm supposed to be talking to you people. Um, but even if you have a clunker, you can't, don't make it obvious to the people behind the table because again, you don't know who that person is and it's just not a good look. It's just not a good look. Be confident enough to get to the end of your song, to the end of your cut or whatever. And even if you stop it and, and things get wonky, push through the end and know that the people behind the table really know what's going on. Right. They probably know hey, that. Most, most people can tell if it's like, okay, the accompanist is, is, is having some issues for whatever reason. If the singer um, starts singing faster and the accompanist doesn't get faster, that's not a company. Right. You know what I mean? Generally, if somebody's singing and they want to go a little faster, you start singing faster. Some They're supposed to just follow, mm -hmm. go right along with you. Right. So so keep that in mind, folks, as as, as you move forward uh, with, with classes, auditions. Always be curious to your accompanist because, again, chances are, if you're auditioning like in a place like New York or D.C., you might see that accompanist again absolutely. at another place. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yep. it's 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 fairly normal for accompanists to work for several different companies and several different uh, uh, several several different productions. So be courteous because I mean, let's be real. Some some accompanists are uh, uh, catty bitches, right? Yes. Uh, just just like just like uh, um, just actors like and anybody else. So they might uh, uh, they might remember you uh, uh, treating them like shit and uh, might just forget what the keys are. You say that because they maybe just accidentally played them in the wrong key. Right. Oops. Whoopsie. My bad. Did I do that? <laughs> so anyway, so now now Bill, I want to get into Miss Bam. Sure. Miss Bambles. Sure. And then uh, so Billy, you uh, introduced Miss Bambles to us. So Miss Bambles is my drag persona and. She's been lurking in the shadows for years. Um, you know, being a queer person who went to a musical theater school, I was surrounded by a lot of people who were interested in drag. So I certainly put makeup on in college and tried that out. But there was um, 
never really a ton of follow through because I was doing a lot in school. I was accompanying, I was part of an improv team. I was always in multiple shows, classes, trying to squeeze this BFA into three years, gen eds. It was, it was a whole thing. So I really didn't have, um, the room or time for that. Then, um, I got to, um, to New York and I had some friends that were, uh, getting into drag a little bit more. And in 2019, not 2018, in 2019, I took a class in Brooklyn that was taught by a friend of mine who I'd gone to college with. And we actually have a picture of us in big air quotes here, drag back in college, but she had moved to New York way before me. So she got quite a, a following and was then te teaching this class. It was a drag comedy class. And I was like, that's right up my alley. So I took that and that was super cool. And then I did another um, small gig, but then the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, got a lot of time. So I just started working on my makeup a little bit more and starting to flesh out this character and try to figure out, you know, less of, yes, it's fun to put on makeup, but like really, what's, what's the, who is Ms. Bambles? Like what stories can I tell as Ms. Bambles that I can't tell as Billy? Um, because all of this, even piano playing for me, falls under an umbrella of storytelling. And it's my favorite thing to do. So I really started to kind of piece her together and figure her out. And then at the end of 2020, three of my very dear friends and I got together and we filmed a music video lip synced to Anna Gasteyer's Sugar and Booze off of the Sugar and Booze music uh, Christmas album. And um, Anna Gasteyer actually reached out and was like, this is super cool. And that was like a really nice fire under the ass to be like, I think there's something here. I had chosen the song. I had helped really kind of conceptualize how that would look and where she would be and why she would be doing certain things. And that was really kind of the deciding factor to really start doing that some more. So I started doing an Instagram live show once a month in the, in this new year. And then I did my last one in July, just last month. And I said, all right, things are open enough. Come see this, pardon the terminology, hooker out live in person. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've, I've had a few chances to perform in Queens and in Brooklyn, um, at some open stages and some other girls have graciously allowed me to just show up and do a number. And it is very exciting. It's very exciting to kind of feel like I'm learning something, but also really using my skill set. It's like, there are certain things that I'm like, yeah, sure. No, I can show up and I can, I can do this or I can do that. But then it's like, well, to get there, I also have to put together a really good look. My wig can't be busted. My makeup has to be good. That's not where my skills lie. So it's been really exciting to kind of like have that kind of new growth, but also like a certain um, solidarity in, in some of it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. without that, I wouldn't have the courage to keep doing it. Are you having somebody paint? Were you having somebody paint you up? Or did you like go on YouTube? Or So I was very fortunate to meet my friend Emilio in Astoria. He is born and raised, actually just moved to Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. Um, one of the P ones they're in Pennsylvania. Really, they're really the same. They both suck. It's well, yeah. you said it on me again because she, uh, she just moved there and I'm very upset to lose him, but it's not a super far drive. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we, um, I trained him to, to, to um, host at the bar that I work at who came instant friends because we were like, oh, oh, this is fun. Oh, we like each other. Okay. And kind of like you and me. Kind of like us in that car oh. waiting for a ride. <laughs> and so um, uh she painted my face a few times. Um, this is Persephone, uh, her drag persona. Um, she painted me a few times, and actually for the music video, she painted me. So that was, like, the last, like, hoorah of, like, 
you you paint my face, but from here on, like I need to be a big girl. I need to be grown enough as a drag queen to paint my own face. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting about that was we actually shot the music video in two different days. Mm-hmm. Like a few days apart, too. So day two, Emilio's finishing up the makeup and I look in the mirror and I'm like, Jess, but it's not the same face days ago. <laughs> Because if you, if, if for those of you who, who may have never been in drag, uh, you're you're completely reshaping your whole entire face, mm-hmm. and so if the eyebrows are just a little turned this way, or the eyes are just a little to that, or the nose is not this enough, or the contours, too, it was a beautiful face, but it wasn't the same, and it was incredible to watch him go back in and just kind of like sculpt, remove things around. But I le- that's really how I learned to mm-hmm. paint, and now it's just kind of doing it every time and just slowly getting better. Thank goodness. What what's your favorite part about Miss Bambles and and what you do as Miss Bambles? Um, that's a great question. I know I'm great at this. You're gonna ask me like what my favorite part about wearing drag was. No, so I'm ready to be like nails because I get to see it. Everybody else gets to see my beautiful face, but I get to see the beautiful nails. Um, I I like that. I like to think that Miss Bambles is all the best parts of me shaken up and poured over ice. I think that drag allows me to kind of strip away a lot of the normalities of my life and the normalcy and other things that I've kind of carried with me for a while. And I get to don this other, um, another part of myself. She's so very much inside me and very much comes from myself, but it's, it's, I get to, um, show my best parts and then it makes people really happy. Now I have, I have what might be a, a fairly controversial question. I'm not sure. Um, and, and this would be the last question but um as as Ms. Bambles, is it something that you do for fun because you love it? Or is it something that you feel like you are? You you don't get the Oh no, it's something I do. It's something I absolutely do. In the same way that like Ms. Bambles just allows me to like like I went out on a Monday night and instead of going out and just feeling like, like a normal night, I'm it, it, it's a character. I get to go out and be this larger than life lady who comes in and, you know, lip syncs musical theater numbers at a dive bar in Brooklyn. Like what? Um, it's certainly, um, at least for me, and it's different for everybody. It's not so much tied to my identity, but it certainly allows me to let a lot of those parts of myself shine. I love that. And, and again, I just feel beautiful. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if that, I don't know if that's controversial or not, but I, mean, I just, no, I, it'll be different for everybody. So you know what I mean? That's that there, there, there are some Queens that I've met that they're like, this is who I truly feel like I am inside but I'm just in the wrong body mm. kind of deal. And then some people are like, no, I just like it. Like we had a, a friend of ours that was in a show with us in West Side Story. He does drag, he's straight, and he just does it because he, it, he, it's fun. Yeah. And it's a good time for him. Yep. So uh, so again, I, wasn't, I just want to see what kind of what kind of that was in. So uh, where, can, where can our followers find you? Y'all can find really me these days. I know we just had this conversation, but I don't actually really use my regular Instagram these days because I'm not very good at social media. So the only social media that I really use and the best way to find me is at Ms. Bambles. That's M-S-B-A-M-B-L-E-S. I believe it's... That is that on Instagram and on Twitter, it's underscore Bambles underscore. And that's where you can find me. That's where if you're in New York or the greater New York area and I'm performing anywhere, you will hear about it there. Um, and or you'll hear about the next time I'm in Hagerstown because I well, ne- think ne- we're back. Next time you come back, we got to set you up at the Lodge with one of the Reyes shows. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just for, I think that just really- for some fun. And I, I thought about this time and I was like, no, because it's only... Billy's only here for a night. I don't want to give him up for the night. I want to hang out with my friend. You know what I mean? So, um, ladies and gentlemen. Next time is Bambles is coming. 
Yes, absolutely. So, Billy, thank you so much for thank being you, here. Man. It's an absolute honor to to have you here again. Check her out on Instagram, Ms. Bambles, and then on Twitter, underscore Bambles, underscore. Billy, we're excited to have you play for the Masterclass, and there might be some news following Billy up later, but we'll bring you back and we'll have some conversation with you. But thank you so much for joining us here on the Act Black Box Podcast exclusive. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in for these two exclusive interviews. For more interviews like this, go to our website, www.actforall.org, and make sure you tune in every week, Sunday night, streaming live now from Venue TV in Hagerstown, Maryland, the Act Black Box Podcast. We're so excited to get started with that. Thank you so much for your support, and we look forward to hearing from you.